following message is from the 2015 IBCD Summer Institute, equipped to counsel. Our great God, we thank you for this opportunity that you give us. Lord, I pray that Janet and I will be able to help this group to be able to understand about establishing and maintaining biblical counseling center in the local church. And we'll give you the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, we didn't have anybody to give us any of this information. <laughs> it is uh, what we have had to do to get it, the counseling center started. I would say the biggest thing that uh, helped get our counseling center started at Grace Covenant Church, and it's called Grace Covenant Counseling Center, Gilbert, Arizona. At that time, we were a church of about 50 or 60 people. Jenna and I came on as lay counselors at that time and started the counseling ministry. Grace Covenant Church, the elders there, saw a vision of Jan and I starting a mission work of counseling to not only counsel people in our church, but to anyone in the state of Arizona. And so that's what we did. Up to this day, Jan and I have counseled over 400 couples, 1,500 individuals in the last 23 years. We now have 10 counselors at Grace Covenant Church counseling uh, out of our about a 300 uh, people church, counting all the babies. And uh, I would say that was the the catalyst that got our counseling center going, was letting our people know that we had one. Most people in most churches that I have dealt with, I've, had a, I've got contacts all over Arizona. The first thing I find out is the people don't know the pastors will, will do counseling. It's never been announced. A lot of the pastors didn't announce it because their plate is full. And so a lot of them have been sending their people out like Vadi, Bodhi Bakum was saying that that was what was taught and it's what was convenient with a busy schedule. And so uh, over the last 23 years, uh, our church has paid me to help other churches besides our own church. And what it has done is it helped us start the Biblical Counseling Training Center in 2010, certified by ACBC. Now, some of those churches that we helped, their pastors got trained eventually, and we have a Harvest Bible Chapel pastor who is on our board and is one of our instructors. We have a Sovereign Grace pastor in Gilbert that is on our board and one of our instructors. We have a Grace Bible Church in Chandler, Arizona, who is certified and on our board. And we have uh, a friend of ours, Wayne Neiman, who we've known for years. He taught our kids in Christian school years ago, has his doctorate in, in marriage and family counseling, and is one of our board members and our instructor. So Jan and I are not teaching everything now. We have it broke down into five different instructors to do our 48 hours of training. So the advantages of having a biblical counseling center in your church is it's a great mission work right in your area. You will be able to reach the lost for Christ to build your church with converts instead of church hoppers. Uh, Biblical counselors across the board 
would say that about 75% of the people that come into your office for counseling are not converted. They think they're Christians. That's why they're coming for biblical counseling, because they've walked an aisle, asked Jesus into their heart, raised in a Christian home. I've even had people say that they live in a, a Christian country, that Uncle George is a Christian. You know, I've had amazing things that people think the reason for their, but it's bringing them in to get biblical counseling or pre-counseling, as we just heard, evangelism. Uh, so where Janet would tell people if you were doing an evangelistic outreach where could you ever do evangelism where 75% of the people coming into your office are unconverted Where, where can you besides a counseling ministry where could you ever do an evangelistic outreach anywhere where you're going to have a larger number of people coming who are willing to hear from the Bible it's amazing may I explain it um when people want to know why they should do counseling and why it should be within the structure of their church, this is what I say. I have asked God to change my heart so that I could reach out into the community. My husband interacts with people out in the community very well. I tend to be a little more shy in that area. But I ask God, help me to be obedient to you and to reach out into the community. I counsel women and I counsel children, um, and we work together with marriages. But I can sit in my office in a church surrounded by all my books that I love, all my resources. Somebody will get on the Internet. uh, They'll go to our website. They'll call us on the phone. They call up. They make an appointment. I get to encourage them a little bit on the phone. And they come in. They sit in my nice, comfortable office with all my stuff around me to help me. And I get to tell them how good God is. Why wouldn't you want to counsel that way? That helps me be an obedient Christian, and God makes it easy for me by letting me be a counselor. So after we received our training, uh, Janet and I opened the counseling ministry even before we were certified. It took us another seven years of counseling before we got certified because we had so many cases that we didn't have time to work on our, uh, we had counseled over 500 people by the time that we had gotten certified. Um, And again, it's competent to counsel. We are competent with God's word to counsel people wherever you are right now in your walk with the Lord. And if you're counseling or discipling somebody, you come across something, you don't know what to do, guess what? You can call Jim Neuheiser. <laughs> you can call any of the counselors in almost any biblical counseling center, and they, and they would be glad to help you through the process, through the helping someone. Well, by Jan and I getting trained, we had a couple in our church, us, who could counsel any couple. Plus, Janet could counsel uh, the women. Pastor John and I have not had, in 25 years, have had to counsel a woman to be tempted because we send them to Janet. Once their husband wants to come in, too, then I come in 
and take the lead in the counseling uh, situation. Because after a wife, after Janet won't listen to what the woman is trying to badmouth her husband, but Janet's trying to get her a faithful walk with Christ, it changes things at home. And sometimes the husbands are wondering, what's going on down there? And he wants to come in as well. Um, your church members will want to uh, get counseling for family members and friends. When people in your church have relatives, family, friends, co-workers who are struggling, you have a counseling center to point them to, to your church. If they're not converted, we're going to try to evangelize them. Uh, uh, your trained church members uh, may not even know that they are counseling because they're simply doing what Christians are supposed to do. We've got many people in our church who've been through our training who have not become certified but are doing much of the more simple counseling uh, within the church. What that's happened is Janet and I end up with the tough cases, suicidal, cutting, those kind of things because our flock is now dealing with the other lesser issues within the flock. Uh, As you counsel more, you will learn the types of struggles that the sheep are experiencing. This kind of goes more for elders, pastors. Uh, When a pastor or an elder starts counseling people in the church, you can start seeing common denominators. Then if you've got people coming in right and left that are that are struggling with anger, why not preach a series on anger? If there are people struggling with depression, if there's people struggling with other issues, you can be sure there's other people in the flock that are struggling in those areas too. Now Here's something that I saw. I see is very important, and m- most churches don't pick up on it. When there's a crisis in your church, and the person comes because someone died, spouse died, grandma died, mom died, uh, financial reversal, lost your job, and it's a crisis. So they come to the pastor. Pastor tries to do whatever he can. You know, if it's financial, might send them to a CPA. If uh, it's uh, medical issues, we'll send them to a doctor, which, of course, we would do as well. But what we do when there's a crisis in the church, whether it has to deal with their kids or a spouse, a wife, a husband, what finances, whatever it is, then we want to disciple the whole family before they're out of there. Husband turns his paperwork in, needs counseling, and we're telling the wife, now you need to fill out your paperwork too. She says, why do I need to fill my paperwork out? It's my husband that needs counseling. Or my teenage son or daughter or my 10-year-old needs counseling. And we're saying, yes. Now, with the husband and wife, we want you both to fill out the paperwork because the PHPEs give us a history of that family. We see in that history whether they're having personal devotions, family devotions, uh, what their church attendance is, on and on and on. So we have a pretty good idea where this family is before we ever get the crisis counseling 
done. And so when those when they leave out of there, sometimes the most important homework you can give is to get them in personal devotions if they aren't doing it. Couple devotions, family devotions. Sometimes just those uh, preliminary assignments take care of the problem sometimes. Because the problem is they haven't been walking faithfully with the Lord. They have gotten away from where they once were. Uh, number two, Roman numeral, working with the local church. This, this is a must in dealing with people's problems. Christians need to be official members of their church. Whether it's your church or if you're counseling somebody from another church, you need to find out. The paperwork will show whether they're members or not. And one of the first things we encourage them to do is to become a member of their church or become a member of our church. Why? Because if you're dealing with a person or a couple, when George and others, George today, talked about the steps of Matthew 18, they have to be officially a member of your church or another church for you to to help them sometimes. Because if they are not a member, there's only a certain distance that you can go with the person and they they can't go any further with church discipline in our culture because you could be up for lawsuits by uh, telling it to the church you are could be sued for liable if you're not a member of the church if you're a member of the church you're agreeing in most covenants with churches that you will abide by the, the elders and their authority Uh, This class will attempt to answer that question by identifying key actions which will set the stage for an effective launch of a formal Christian ministry, counseling ministry. It is impossible to cover all the factors that would need consideration, but these will get the process rolling. I was just going to say that one of my main goals, if I'm counseling a woman, um, if she and her husband are having difficulties and look like it may be heading for divorce, I hope it won't be that way, but the husband is committing adultery and and we're struggling in, in our counseling with him and he doesn't look like he's responsive. I will urge her to become a member of her church out of obedience. Um, to make the appeal to her husband, honey, is this a church you want us in? I need to obey God's word and become a member of the church. God calls me to be a member of the local body of believers. Oftentimes, in marriage problems, men will keep the women hopping from church to church. So there's no real church establishment that knows what's going on and can help her. By her obeying God and becoming a member of a local church, um, requesting her husband's permission first but even if he says no say well which church you prefer I'll be a member there she has to obey God if she does and her first line of authority fails her her husband is her head she has the next line of authority to go to the church she needs that protection that's one of my goals in counseling women one of the things we ask in the paperwork is can we uh can we call or talk to your elder or pastor? Probably half the people say yes, the rest say no. Uh, when they say no, then usually we have to try to find out why, why are they saying no. 
uh, and there could be a, there could be a legitimate reason. They may be coming to you for counseling because their church is going through a church split, or the pastor has run away with the secretary, or something is going on in the leadership of the church that they they don't know. They've gone to their eldership and not getting any answers, and they want advice. And so. Sometimes we have to hold off in getting with the other church's leadership until we find out more about what's going on. Getting started, establishing a solid foundation for a long-term ministry under C. Uh, first of all, when people come in for training, the first thing that we tell them is becoming a biblical counselor is, 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 can't be one of your motives to become a counselor, to be a career, to be paid by the ministry. Uh, Jan and I have been counseling for 23 years officially now, and neither one of us have been paid by the counseling ministry. None of our lay counselors are paid, period. They're all volunteer. Now, there are some benefits. We try to send some to conferences like this and different things out of the donations uh, that come in. George Scipione uh, has has never been paid by the counseling ministry. He's either been a professor somewhere at Westminster, now he's at RTS. Uh, uh, Jim Neuheiser is paid as the pastor of Grace Bible Church. Uh, Craig and Marcia and some of those get paid in the training center, but still there's very little pay that comes from biblical counseling. And the reason is a lot of people you're counseling can't afford to pay. And uh, we have a donation based at Grace Covenant Church, and uh, people sometimes ask, well, what, what what could we give? Well... It costs probably $50 per session uh, for the church to do counseling. And uh, if the Lord places upon your heart, there's no pressure. We've had people who couldn't pay anything. And five years later, we get a $1,000 check in the mail or a $500 check. Or, or, you know, that's just the way the Lord has blessed the ministry over the years, and we have some supporters as well that think strongly about the ministry. So, uh, uh, a pastor or some of the church leaders, at least one, need to be trained in counseling. It's vital that the leadership of the church is behind it. If the leadership does not understand what biblical counseling is, it's going to be hard to make it fly in your church. Um, acknowledge that counseling is already happening in your church. People receive counsel in general discipleship formats. Members of your church are regularly giving and receiving counseling advice on personal issues, uh, but it's not organized, scheduled. We have ladies mentoring ladies, men having uh, mentoring groups, uh, discipleship going on. Uh, it's already happening. Why not make it better by getting some of your people trained? Uh, review your theological motivations. Uh, uh, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20, of course, is to make disciples. We're commanded to make disciples. Every Christian is told by Christ to make disciples. 
It's not get professions, it's make disciples. And it takes more time and work to make a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. These scriptures are your homework assignment. So please go home and review this. Look up these verses as our basis. We won't get through today if I went and opened up every one of them. The doctrine of progressive sanctification is very important. The put off of the old and the put on of the new. Established philosophical guidelines and procedures. All counselors must be biblical counselors, not integrationists. We just heard all about that. All lead and associate counselors are expected to pursue ACBC certification. Now that can be, I think there's like 40 training centers in the United States now. When we went through, there was only, no, I shouldn't, yeah, when we got our certification, there was only seven in the United States. Now there's 40 because they hired uh, Wayne Johnston to head up getting counseling centers or training centers started. Uh, all leader associate counselors must be church members in good standing for obvious reasons. Uh, we, Like I said, we do not charge. We are on a donation basis. Uh, some churches, like Grace Bible, counsel on Mondays, and that's when they do their counseling. That way they can line up observers that are in training to come in and to observe what is going on in a counseling uh, session. Uh, with us having eight other counselors now, we pretty much have counseling going on every day of the week. Every day. Because some of our counselors can only do at night. Some of them can only do on a Saturday. Jan and I only counsel uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays now in the afternoons. And so some of them can't make our schedule, but they can make the Saturday schedule of one of our other couples or counselor. And so that's really working out very well. Uh, of course, when you got hurting people and they're wanting to get in for counseling, we tend to bend the schedules to be able to help people. I'm sorry, you can't help you. <laughs> We'll figure out a way. Um, okay. Uh, pastoral uh, staff commitment is crucial. That is crucial for your leaders to be behind uh, this counseling center. The availability of trained counselors in the afternoon and evening is important. Uh, schedule appointments an hour and a half or two hours apart. If you have them, say, an hour apart and, and you got an hour counseling session and, and this gal is just broke down in tears, well, I'm sorry, your time is up. So we schedule them with a distance in case we have to go a little longer and you want to prepare for the next one. Uh, determine titles and qualifications for your counseling team uh, members and recruit them. Uh, the lead counselor needs to be either certified or pursuing his ACBC certification. Uh, we don't, not all of our counselors are certified yet, but they're all in the process. They're all heading that direction. All but two are, Daryl. All but two are. I think we have two ladies. Is it two? There's, yeah, there's just two that aren't. Yeah. 
uh, they're they're very good counselors, but they are not seeking the uh, uh, national certification. Now, uh, eight there, secure the necessary funding. When we started the counseling ministry, the uh, treasurer, by approval of the elders, started putting 500 a year into the budget for our counseling ministry. That was for paper, pens, pencils, uh, being able to uh, give pamphlets away sometimes when people couldn't afford them. If, they're, if we're giving a major book away, we try to figure out some way for them to pay for a 12 or $14 book. can get pretty expensive handing those out. When she loans something out, don't expect it to come back. Uh, a resource library for counselors. We've been able to develop a library over the years to where there's some of the major books and pamphlets in there to where the counselors can go in and check them out, read them there, uh, so they don't. every counselor doesn't have to buy everything. Uh, sometimes there's going to need to be meals and refreshments for your counselors. You get them together for some ongoing training. Uh, staff training, development, continuing education opportunities, uh, <coughs> ACBC applications, supervision fees, yearly membership fees. So all of those who have become ACBC certified in our counseling ministry, our, our counseling ministry pays for their annual dues. Uh, for those who want to go to ACBC, especially the year they become certified so they can walk the stage and get their certificate, we try to pay for lodging uh, and airfare for the, the couple or the person who is heading for ACBC. This year, I think we've got three couples that were certified, so they're all going to ACBC in Louisville uh, this fall. Um, okay, now you need to collect and approve appropriate home or paperwork for the counselee's use. Uh, one of the best things that you're going to have them fill out is the personal data inventory. We have a website. We now have an online form. People can go to that online form and fill out their application for counseling, which gives us uh, a history of these this person or couple. And it saves a whole hour or so of the first session because if you don't have it, you're going to have to get all of that information. But as you counsel more and more people, when you get that form in before you schedule them, you're going to have a pretty good idea of where you're going to be going with this, this couple. Uh, there's going to be a need to ask for medical information release if we think we need to find out uh, what medications this person is on. Sometimes people have problems because they've got medication uh, given to them because they've gone to an urgent care doctor and got a medication for a symptom. The next time they go to the emergency room the next time to the family doctor and there's not one doctor who knows everything this person is taking 
And we have found that some people, by looking at their medications and giving it to a nurse in our church, she looks at it and says, oh, this person should never be taking these two things at the same time. And sometimes when we get a doctor to back them off of meds, some of their problems go away. So like uh, we were told uh, earlier today, that, that some of it's physio- physio- physiological, but some of it is medicines that have been given for symptoms who are not real symptoms. The symptom is there because the medication has made a symptom. Uh, Counseling record sheets. That's a sheet that we've had made up uh, to use during the counseling session. It has different things wrote out on it, different blocks. It it lists the homework that we assigned last week, the homework we're going to give this week, the session notes. And then when something comes up in the the counseling case, a session that we want to deal with, but there's no time to deal with it today, we write it down in the left-hand corner box of things to deal with in the future. Sometimes that box has got several things in it that we're going to need to deal with out of something that came up in the session. Uh, the consent to counsel sheet. If your church has a, uh, a, a signed membership, where uh, they, uh, when they become members of your church, they sign their signature somewhere that they're going to abide by the Constitution, the bylaws, and everything of the church, then you don't have to get a consent to counsel form for your members. With people who are not members in your church or are from outside of your church, you need to have them sign that consent to counsel form because it protects you. It protects you from, in that form, it says that they will not ask for any of their records to be uh, subpoenaed. And we've had, if, if it gets subpoenaed by a court, you're going to have to submit them. But, but most of the, we've only had that happen once in 25 years. We do regularly get lawyers who call and ask for their, their counseling record. And all we do is take that uh, counseling form that those people sign, fax it back to them saying that they will not, we do not need to submit any of their paperwork. Do you have a sample form by chance? Uh, you can go to our website. On the website. Uh, yeah. I, the, uh, yeah, if you, yeah. If you go to our website and, and just look at the consent to counsel form, uh, it's listed. It's request for counseling. It's part of it. At the end of it, you'll see. Uh, we also have a sheet in our office that, that lists uh, everything on it. By the way, if any of you are interested in some of these papers, uh, we would be glad to email them to you. So you got my email address there at the bottom. Just email me and say that you want uh, to see what our PD, PDF, PDF or PD, PHPE files look like. We want to see what the counseling record looks like. I'll be glad to email them to you. 
uh, growth assignments. We, instead of saying homework, we've called it growth assignment. It seems to go down better saying growth assignment than homework because a lot of people have had homework since they were little kids, college, homework, homework. They're tired of homework, but when we call it growth assignment, something there's just something different about it. It basically is homework. It's what we expect them to do next before they come back next week, whether it's to memorize some scripture, whether it's to read this book, read this pamphlet, uh, and miscellaneous things. Uh, Purchase resources that will be frequently recommended by counselors. In other words, counseling uh, pamphlets. There there are about four different... uh, uh, publishers now that put out these mini booklets that have cutting, they have depression, they have you see them. These little booklets. It's the uh, Ted Ted Tripp and Shepherd Press has taken over day one's mini books. Uh, we got resources for living. New growth. New growth uh, does some faith uh, Baptist. Faith Bible Church in Lafayette, Indiana, has a series of booklets. Uh, there's one or two other ones now. Their new one I saw the other day had a website with these same type of booklets. Uh, we keep many of those on stock at the church for our people in in the book room or to hand out to counselees to use in uh, counseling. Uh, books on particular areas of progressive sanctification. If if any of you deal with people with anger, and we usually have to deal with anger, almost everybody, Lou Priolo's book on the heart of anger, if you don't have it, you want to get it. Uh, if there was such a thing as a Christian self-help book, I don't believe in these self-help books, but his book on anger, the heart of anger, is pretty much self-explanatory for personal anger, adult anger, children anger. It tells where it came from, how to deal with it. Uh, we have probably sold 200 of those books over the last 23 years. Uh, it was hard to find for a while, but they're back in print again. Uh, and there's other books like that too. One, the best book on forgiveness is uh, from for, uh, "Forgiven Unto Forgiving" by uh, Jay Adams. It's out of print right now, and I had to order some used books in. Okay, counseling appointments. Uh, you'll look through these files. Uh, Counselees who are not members uh, should sign the consent. I've already went through that. Uh, on Roman numeral three, here's some foundational verses that you will use over and over and over again in your counseling. Um, then B is important counseling verses. Proverbs is full of it. One that really popped out from the very beginning was when uh, Janet got a, a wife to come in and talk to her. Husband came in and talked to me. They wouldn't talk to each other. After the session, we meet in the hall. Janet says, we got to get that husband fixed. And I said, 
you you got to get that wife fixed. <laughs> it wasn't until we sat both of them down till we got the whole picture of what was going on. One was exaggerating tremendously. And uh, so when one comes along and tells their side of the story, it sounds good till another comes along and questions it. So never, no matter how convincing it sounds, never, never go by one-sided story. Um, the other verses are all there. Uh, a verse that we use constantly is Ephesians 4:29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which will build up others according to their need so that it will benefit them. And on and on, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Okay, let's go on to Roman numeral four, which Janet is going to come and present. She has been the the organizer behind... She's got a filing cabinet with three drawers completely full of homework assignments, growth assignments. And uh, she has organized many of the files, so I'll let her uh, present these things. Um, I won't take too long with it. I think these are self-explanatory. If you think it's a nuisance, well, why should I bother with this or let the church secretary do it? Um, Let me tell you, if you don't know what's in your files, how are you going to get to them? And uh, frankly, the church secretary won't know how to put them where you want them. It takes somebody in the ministry to understand. Um, When you set up the files, you need to have a master file uh, folder containing all of the information from the counselees, and you need to keep it in your office. If you have individual case files, uh, our Board of Elders requires that I keep my uh, office door locked. Why? This is people's lives we're talking about. Their information, you don't just keep it in a folder and take it home and bring it back whatever you please. These are their lives they're talking about, and there's messy stuff in there. So we need to show respect to them. In uh, uh, their file, you will need uh, a signed consent to counsel sheet we've talked about. That's on our website. Um, And a personal data inventory, a PDI. um, That's on our website also. Those two are connected together on the website. Yeah and a dated record sheet of each meeting. Now, some people don't like to take notes. It's okay if in your life you're only gonna counsel two or three people. Once you get through a couple hundred people and counselee number 33 calls you up, how are you gonna know where their file is? How are you gonna remember them? Because they're gonna talk to you on your phone and they're gonna expect you to remember who they are. And it, it's discourteous not to show respect for them that way. So if you start an Excel spreadsheet on your computer and for the manila file folder, you're keeping their information in, you put a, their uh, case number up there and you put it on all the record sheets you keep for each week. So if you have a loose record sheet, you say, oh, this is for case number uh, 562. You put it back in that file. 
And then somebody calls up, and I look on my Excel spreadsheet, and I see their name, and I've got their names listed there. You can either do them by chronologically when they came in or alphabetical, however it works for you. But I look up their name, and then I go and I pull their, their file. Sounds simple. If you don't do it from the start, you'll regret it later on. Um, and then, let's see if this works from here. It doesn't. Okay. Yeah, it did. Okay. <clears throat> you will need, um, each counselor could want to keep their own counseling records. We have several counselors. It's okay if they keep their own records as long as they keep them under lock and key. But remember, this is a ministry of the church. You're under the authority structure of the church. You're under the insurance structure of the church. So when we have counselors, and we've just had that, that go to another church to establish another ministry, all of their records have to come back to the church. Why? Because we're responsible. And it... Think of it, you could be counseling somebody in the middle of it, you get sick, or there's a relative you have to go take care of. You need your records in such a condition so another counselor can step in and take your place and help that person. So this is the need for orderliness. Um, and I, I say that knowing I've got to go home and work on my files. Uh, uh, Dara, could you stand back there and just click this closer to the computer? I'm sorry. <clears throat> Proverbs 28, 2b, and I just took the last part of this verse, so excuse me for that. But a man of understanding and knowledge maintains order. I like that verse. And my saying is that sloppy workmanship will not reflect well upon the God of order. If we do it and we take it, counsel people in a slipshod way as if it's a hobby, we're not showing respect to them. Is this the center button? Nope, the side one. There you go. Thank you. Okay. Um, go to the next one, please. Okay, thank you. In your record keeping um, of each individual counselee's files, this is what you need. You need the form they filled out in the first place, their personal data inventory, their signed consent to counsel, the counseling records, and an exit interview. When you finish with somebody, we have them make a commitment for six sessions at least. The reason we say six sessions instead of six weeks, guess what happened if they miss a week or two? The person who doesn't want to be there for counseling their spouse drug them in will say it's been six weeks, and they've missed maybe four of the sessions. So we say six sessions. And um, then we both check, see where we are, if we need to go further. And at the end of that, you could have an exit interview, see where they're at, compared it to what they put on their PDI, the form that they do in the first place what they think their presenting problem is, why are they there, and what goals do they have for counseling. Sometimes people change through counseling and they don't recognize it. So by going back and saying, here's where you were and here's where you're at in your walk with the Lord now, they recognize the growth that God has done. And then I'll stop and we'll pray with women and be grateful for that. Um, also, you will need, uh, we talked about this, a file drawer of all pertinent Teaching, counseling, homework, um, 
follow-up notes, info from their pastor. <clears throat> My husband will check with their pastor elder after they've gone from counseling. He'll call the courtesy and check. If I'm dealing with a woman from another church, I want their permission that I can talk to their pastor and elder. I'm not going to ask a bunch of detailed information. I'm just going to say, as a shepherd, how do you see them? What are they doing? Anything I should know. If uh, there is specific information afterwards I need to know, I'll call and I'll check up and say, um, how are they doing in their, their relationship with their teenage child? How are they doing in their marriage? I'll stop and I'll ask. Um, and any emails that they might send you, keep it all in there. I keep thank you notes from counselees. You get them. Thank you notes from counselees. I'll keep it in their file. If you, by the way, if you don't have a file that's called your encouragement file, let me suggest that you do one. You start an encouragement file. I keep it at the front of my files. And that's nice thank yous that people send saying how much they've been helped. I try to put a copy there. When you have a really bad day of counseling, it's good to go there. Could we go ahead, Daryl? Okay. Um, I've given you some information. We're not going to take the time to go through it. But this is on um, number six, uh, Roman number six, handling phone calls, how you could train your help in handling phone calls. The person who is a contact person, the first person they'll talk to is very important. Their attitude counts. They're getting the right information counts. And we have found that church secretaries or whoever's going to be greeting people as they come in needs some training, at least a minimal amount of training and counseling. You'll get people in off the street. We do. Our poor secretary, she'll call Daryl over. How close are you to the church? Could you come back? <laughs> or she said, are you on the ground? Um, people come in distraught. They'll come and ask him for food and money and things. And we do do that. We work with our deacons of our church. The deacons will have um, an agreement as to how much we can give people in food. We do not give money. The deacons take care of that. We'll take a copy of their uh, photo ID and make a record of it so we don't have repeat people coming in. And then uh, if they're getting help from the deacons, one of the agreements is they come to church on Sunday, they meet with the deacon afterwards, and they sign up to meet with counselor. If they're having trouble, there's a reason for it. <clears throat> so... This is some information on how to help train people that you're going to be having handling phone calls. Then um, the next Roman number you'll see uh, is handling emergencies. Yeah, if you could just scoot ahead a little bit, Daryl. Handling emergencies. I did this for another uh, counseling uh, center. They wanted to train their people on how to handle emergencies, such as calls when people are suicidal. These are some basic biblical principles and how to handle it. Um, number one suggestion, it's not a good time to counsel somebody when they're in the middle of an emergency and distraught. You have to get them calmed down. have to get them in a safe situation. Um, are you going to tell your story or not, Daryl? John, how John, Pastor John handles. <laughs> yes, uh, Janet. Janet was the first church secretary back in '93 or '4, right after we counseled, started the counseling ministry. And uh, Pastor John 
uh, was at one end of the room at his desk, and Janet, as the secretary, was at the other end. So he gets this phone call from this woman, and she says, I've got a gun to my head, and I'm going to shoot myself. And John said, Would, could, I, could you just hold for a minute? He put the phone on hold, and he told Janet to pick up the phone. And this lady told Janet then, I've got a gun to my head, would you... Uh, and I'm going to kill myself. And so Janet, over a half an hour or so, talked the lady down to put the gun down, had Pastor John send a deacon over there to get the weapon out of the house, and talked her down and got her in that afternoon to start counseling. Well, Pastor John now, I've heard him at different uh, speaking engagements. He says to uh, the people, he says, uh, Here's what happens. Here's what to do when you get somebody that calls you and wants to kill themselves. You turn it over to your secretary. I'm not highly recommending that. But if you get training as a counselor, you'll, those things come up. Remember, it, it, it's God's battle. And people aren't rational at that point. We just want to show them the love of Christ. Um, don't offer to go to somebody's house. The reason I send a deacon there were no children in the home, and the deacon knew her, and it was a safe situation. Otherwise, I would have had let the police handle it, by the way. Uh, so don't put yourself in danger. But there are some principles on how to um, handle emergencies there. You could use that for training individuals. And B um, is at the first meeting. What do you do the first time you meet somebody? How are you going to handle it? I put this here not for your benefit because maybe you've had training as a counselor, but surely if you're going to start a counseling center, you need to be training other people. This is some material you can use in training someone how to um, meet with another individual, how they first should greet them and interact with them. And then the question of prayer. Daryl, you want to take over on the question of prayer and then see if there are any questions? I apologize for my voice. Here, you better have this. There's one other thing in establishing a counseling ministry that I didn't touch on that's uh, very important, and I usually get calls about it from people who are trying to, and that is, what about malpractice insurance? If you're counseling people, you're at the risk of somebody uh, suing you because they don't like your counsel. And... That's the other reason why to have your church establish a counseling ministry and then they get a hold of, you get a hold of the church insurance provider and make sure the counseling ministry is included into uh, the church so that like the pastors, if your church, your pastor should be under a malpractice policy. Now, some don't, aren't, but a church should be. And then... So then if you counsel through the church, like all of our counselors counsel through Grace Covenant Church, we don't have no Lone Rangers out there, because of this, this is one important aspect. If they're counseling in the name of the counseling center and everyone who, 
Everyone who wants counseling at our church has to fill out that form online or mail it in to us. I get them. It's all on our letterhead. And so it's all official. And so all of our counselors, even lay people who are not paid, uh, are all covered by the malpractice insurance of the church. So that's how you're covered. And that's why you should work with your church to get an official church counseling ministry started in your church. That's one of the reasons. Counselors are highly encouraged to begin and end sessions with prayer. Uh, by opening and closing with prayer, you're teaching your counselee that you're dependent upon the Lord. We should be asking the Holy Spirit to come and use his word in this counseling session. And we've heard quite a bit about that today, that it's, it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit and God's word. After you've counseled somebody and they, their lives get straightened out, if you could hear them talking to somebody else, the best recommendation that you could ever get was you would never hear your name. They would say something like, the Lord showed me this. The Lord guided me to this scripture. The Holy Spirit worked on my heart. And that's the best recommendation that you can get. If they start saying, Daryl changed me, better watch out that this might not be genuine. You want to hear them say, when I first learned this was when I was a new Christian, Jan and I were very zealous in evangelism and starting small groups. And one day... At church, we, one of the pastors had to take a couple that we brought to church uh, who we had been discipling for a while. We asked him to take them home because they lived close to where he lived. And the next day he called me and said, Daryl, I got the best recommendation from that couple that you'll ever get. And what's, I said, what's that? He said, they never mentioned you or Janet's name. Everything was the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And so that's when I learned as early on that that's the best recommendation that you can get. Prayer support. You want to get prayer support from others in your church. If you've got a friend in the church that you can count on, that you can tell things to, who will pray for you, especially if they can pray while you're in the session uh, with the people. Uh, so you need that help. Uh, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows to others. So uh, in our training, we have this this uh, 
wheel that goes around and round of restructuring people, but then we have this wheel that goes round and round of people comforting us. It's going to be a continual process that you're going to be comforted in time of your need. You can help others in the time of their need, and then it's going to come back to you again probably in some other trials or situations so that you can help others. Some of the trials that you go through are going to be used, like we heard from Heath and and Vaudi, that God's going to use those to help other people. You know, it's, I have helped a lot of people through depression. I have been through three or four dark periods of depression in my life, down and out, where I couldn't function. When somebody comes into my office and says, I'm depressed, and they came in on their own two feet, and they can intelligently sit there and talk to me, they're not depressed in what the true meaning of depressed is. They may be down, discouraged, blue, but when somebody is depressed that I've been in, I can tell as soon as, soon as they walk in the door. I, I can tell how they look because I know I've been there. I've been, I've done that. And uh, God has... Uh, God sits in the heavens and laughs sometimes at what we do, but even in a period of depression, I helped another man out of depression. And, and it's like, boy, God's got a sense of humor to use somebody in depression to help somebody out of depression. Um, because the Word of God is true. And as we speak the Word of God to others, the Holy Spirit uh, can use it in the lives of others. So, we made it through real quick. There's some things there that I think you can look at that you can, uh, uh, yourselves can catch up. Is, is there any uh, questions that specifically that you guys have to ask either one of us about the counseling, a counseling ministry? So you're all ready. How many are in a counseling ministry right now? Okay, about three of you. Uh, who's wanting to get into one? <laughs> okay, the rest of you. <laughs> so, uh, have you gone to your church to let them know? Good. Good. That's uh, we had our church behind us right from the start because uh, Pastor John and Pastor John and I, uh, Pastor John and I graduated from seminary together. I went out to put a split church back as as my senior project in seminary. He went to start an, another church, which is this one, Grace Covenant <coughs> Church. I pastored that other church for a few years and then through some some situations uh, left there. And now we've been at Grace Covenant for 25 years. Our one daughter and son-in-law were raised. Uh, our son and our grandkids have been raised in our in our church. That's all they know is our church up until recent. Okay. Oh, okay. So is it even possible to have a counseling ministry in a church that doesn't have an office building? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, We have a church, uh, Santan Bible in in, uh, Gilbert. Uh, They, uh, we know them. And they're doing biblical counseling, and so they use one of our Sunday school rooms. I mean, that would be the best place to to 
if you don't have an office place, ask another church close by if somehow you could use, especially if you know them, could we use one of your offices? And our church was glad to let this other church, uh, and they use it probably five or six times a week. And, uh, you know, we... When when I first started counseling, we didn't have a church building then. We were renting a church building. And um, I got one of these folding file things that fold out, and I put my manila file folders of possible homework assignments and the files for the different gals I was meeting with. And I would either go to their home or they would come to my house. But I was still under the authority structure of the elders, and I gave a report to them. We have a, a biblical counselor that Jen and I went to years ago when we needed help uh, has counseled out of he took the storage room off of his house and uh, part of the garage and turned it into a counseling office. He's been counseling out of there for over 30 years, but he's still under the umbrella of the church that he attends. So, yeah, it doesn't have to be at the church. The important thing is, is that that legally and insurance-wise and everything, it's, the, it's being part of the church. Being part of the church, that's the important thing. Yeah. So it's always nice to, when you can have a building, then people who are unchurched get used to coming there and sometimes start attending the church because uh, of getting to know the people there. And one of the requirements we make is everybody that we counsel, they must be attending a Bible-believing church at least uh, once a week, preferably Sunday. And we say because it's our job to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. And we'll have them, they'll, they'll get um, that bulletin and maybe write down a few verses and start praying for the prayer requests and they start interacting with the church as a unit that way. And to help that person get involved in the service of the church, whether it's making coffee or something, to get them jump-started in serving the Lord, giving to the Lord. Two other things, maybe three, that are important. They spoke, uh, Vaudi spoke about it this morning, about having a, a Christian doctor that you can get advice from or send somebody to. We've had to do that. The other is have a Christian lawyer that you can talk to or have someone in your church talk to when the marriage is going south, the husband won't repent. At some point he's committed an affair or has and won't repent of it and has abandoned the wife, then it's time for the church to say, you know, uh, it's time for you to get a biblical divorce. Uh, we follow Jay Adams' classic uh, divorce or marriage divorce and remarriage. We believe there's two reasons for biblical divorce. One's adultery, or the other one is abandonment. Now, adultery doesn't mean that you have to get a divorce. You can forgive, repent, move on with it. We also have an accountant that's a big help to the ministry. Our, our accountant, Matt, who's been trained that's under Crown other. Ministries, too. Yeah, every Monday night, Matt Johnson, our, he's a deacon and a CPA. He's taken upon himself the last eight, nine, ten years maybe. Every Monday night, he comes to the church from 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock 
and we'll counsel anybody uh, in our church or anybody that we're counseling from anywhere in the state of Arizona. They can come, and he'll help them with budgeting, getting out of debt, tax problems. He'll help them, future planning, everything. We believe that our church has so benefited from that that when the 2008 downturn came and churches were laying off staff, churches were, their budgets, they were having to take staff cuts in pay. During 2008 to 2012, our, our budget doubled without, without a big influx of people. Uh, we have a very giving church, but he's taught some of these young couples how to put emergency funds away and, and to get out of debt and on and on and on. The the, the Ramsey, the uh, Larry Burkett, the Crown Ministry, all that type of financial counseling. And so we've had young couples that have been out of work for six months and they just get involved in the church or whatever until... Their resume goes out somewhere and they get a new job. But they've been able to put five, six months of emergency fund aside. to, be, And it's all because of the teaching that this deacon has been able to do. So that's another, uh, another resource that you should connect with. A doctor, lawyer, accountant. You don't have to be a CPA. It can be just somebody in your church that is accountant-minded, able to help people in that way. So let's pray. Our great God, we thank you for this time that you've given us. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, use this information to help those that are here to further their ministries. Uh, We just thank you for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Copyright 2015 IBCD. All rights reserved. More free audios are available at www.ibcd.org.